Good morning. Dude, y'all ready over there. It's great to be in a place where you only meet the pastor like one time live, talk to him on email a few times, and you feel like you're best friends, man. Right? Don't you feel that way? Dude, he's just, uh, he's one big smile. <laughs> Dude, and I fell in love with the kids, man. All, all the kids last night um, went over to the house and he cooked for us. That was my, it was kind of my 4th of July because I'm traveling, so I had 4th of July off the grill yesterday. How are you? Doing well? How about the person next to you? They doing all right? They sing all right? <laughs> eh, <laughs> right? <laughs> Good. Hey, go to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. It's great to see a church that is situated and located in a very strategic place, right? We were able to drive through the city a little bit coming in on uh, Friday and then Pastor and I drove through the university setting there, and I live in Minneapolis, so I'm around the uh, University of Minnesota. I live right downtown, so I see that, that strategic placement of my church where I attend, which is right downtown uh, Minneapolis, near the university and the life and the authority of government, right? So um, it's, it's great to see how God has worked through your story even just the last five years and placed you in such a, a strategic place in uh, West Lafayette. Thank you again, Pastor, for the invitation and the trust. And uh, I love you. I say that ahead of time. No matter what comes out of my mouth, I love you. Okay? <laughs> Don't get nervous. Acts chapter 1. One of the, one of the movements in America... One of the growing movements in America is the supernatural. Our world is mesmerized by the supernatural. And for some reason, the church isn't comfortable with it. When you look at the church across America, it's like there's this reticence or this, um, caref- this caution when it comes to the supernatural because you know we want to relate to our culture and relate to our world. And some of us are more interested in our culture than we are the scripture in the church and and if you and yet if you look at our culture there is so there is this there is this this love for the supernatural okay you see it in movies you see it in books that are written you see it in in, in the music and we, as you watch this unfold it's interesting to see how the church works in the supernatural and if we are interested in that And then you pull out this text here in the book of Acts. And you see this amazing ride as Christianity begins. You know, the Holy Spirit's been alive at every era of human history. Right? I mean, we've seen, if if you go back to to Genesis, right? As As I kind of set you up for this. If you go back to Genesis, you see that the Holy Spirit was alive in creation, right? Speaking into creation. If, if, you, if you remember Genesis, it said the earth was formless and void and darkness covered it. And into that, 
the Holy Spirit spoke. Then if you follow through the Holy Spirit and his works in human, human history, you move to what we would call the age of the law. And the Holy Spirit speaks to Moses, right? And he brings the law to the people. And, he, and, and it's as if the people have, right, fallen away. And so the Holy Spirit brings them back through the law. Moving from the law then, it's like we got bad again through Adam. We got we, we did bad things again, and we, and we left his law, his way. And the Holy Spirit speaks to the prophets. And as the Holy Spirit speaks to the prophets, it's like they are calling the church back to the commandments and uh, the law and the way that he had set things up from the beginning, right? And there's always this wandering. There's always this movement away from design or creation, and a few more thousand years go by, and the age of the Spirit comes upon what we would call the Messianic age, or when Christ comes. And Christ is sent to, again, bring people back through redemption, through his death and resurrection, to bring people back to, uh, to the law, in one sense, to the way, is what they called it in the, in the New Testament. They really didn't call it Christianity right away, right? And so they bring them back to what the apostles and disciples called the way. And so you see the age of the Spirit moving through the, the, the Messianic age. And then you move into our age today, which really begins at the age of the apostles or the apostolic age, the age of Christians, the disciples, that's you and me. And then you see the outpouring of the Holy Spirit one more time, as Christ is, right, ascended, and I'm covering a lot of human history real quick there, right, in these five eras. Christ is ascended, and before he's ascended, in chapter 1, we kind of pick up what happens here. So look at, look at 1 and verse 4. Being assembled together with them, Jesus commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard of from me. For John baptized in water, right? Many of you have been born again. There are people in this room maybe who have not experienced that yet. Maybe you're a guest and you've never understood what it means to be born again, to be a Christian. Not in the, hear me, in the Western or American sense, right? I live in America, so I'm Christian, <laughs> right? Not in that Western sense, but to be born again as it relates to the Scriptures. And that's what Jesus says. Listen, John came for water baptism, and that places you in the way, in the kingdom, right? And then look what he says. For truly John baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Not many days from now. So Jesus places this emphasis on his ascension, on the work of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, when is this going to happen, right? When, when will this restoration of the kingdom to, uh, you know, come and he said, listen, don't worry about that. It is not for you to know times or seasons or epochs or eras which the Father has sent in his own authority, but this is what you should focus on. Don't worry about the end. Don't worry about the restoration. Don't worry about right, eternity. You shall receive power. You shall receive power when the Spirit comes upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and in West Lafayette. 
right? And so I just took you through five eras of human history. We are still living in the age of the church today. Do you understand that? We are still living in the age of the Spirit. But hear me, there will come a time when the Spirit is lifted from the earth, right? And eternity begins, right? And eternity begins. Where are you going to spend eternity and where are your neighbors going to spend eternity? That, that is the pressing question during the age of the Spirit. Don't get caught up in culture. Get caught up in Scripture. Right? So many of us are mesmerized by what's going on around us, you know? How are the Colts doing? How are the Cubs doing? How about the bear? Sorry, I didn't mean to mention that, but... <laughs> We have all these, are my kids, it's my, my kids have soccer this week and dance, the, right, that later on, and we have all these things that concern us, and we become so busy, right, that we forget the pressing questions. We forget the importance of eternity. You get about 76 years to live, you know that. If you're a woman, you get about 76 years to live. If you're a man, it's like 70 I don't know if it's because they're smarter or because we take more risks. I, I don't know what that is. Probably a little bit of both, more of the former. <laughs> we are just passing through. This, this, this is not our homeland, right? We are passing through. But we have to unlearn so many things in the Western church today, so many things in the American church we have to unlearn and get our focus back upon what Christ said here. It, it is, don't worry about the end. Don't worry about that. I'm giving you power to affect the end. Right? I'm giving you power and authority to affect the end of your life and those who live around you. And that is the message of the gospel. This morning, I want you to see how vital the supernatural is to the believer. I know that we have mostly believers gathered here. And I want to challenge you to a life living in the supernatural. Simply living under the shadow. Um, let me divert to, to Psalm 91. If you want to go there, you can go there. But I want to just, I just want to look at one more text as I begin in setting up our direction. In Psalm 91. Psalm 91 is a classic, and it speaks directly to one of, one of the texts we're going to look at this morning, and I want to use it as a base for that text. You undoubtedly have heard this. It's, it begins in verse 1, and it says this, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress. My God, in him I will trust. Surely he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the, the uh, perilous pestilence. He shall cover you with his feathers and under his wings you shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and buckler. You shall not be afraid of the terror by night nor of the arrow that flies by day. And he goes on and uh, lays out this classic text of being in his presence. Go to 14, toward the end. Because he has set his love upon me, therefore I will deliver him. I will set him on high because he has known my name. He shall call upon me and I will answer him. 
I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. When you abide under the shadow of the Almighty and you seek his presence, something happens in your life. Many of us come to church to worship. Many of us come to church to give. Many of us come to church to pray. But hear me, God hasn't called you to come to church to give, to worship, or pray. God has called us to come to church giving, worshiping, and praying. It should be something that we are, something that we are doing before we get here. And we've got to, we, we've got to unlearn some things because it's like we, we set this place as the target. This is the place where we do those things. But then we leave here and it's not our daily existence. It's not our daily life. It's something that's so foreign to us outside of these walls. When we, when we quickly learn that God has not called us here to come here to worship, but to come here worshiping, we transform our world. But our world will not be transformed if all we do is worship and pray and give here. It must be something that we are practicing, which is why we, we, ask, we ask these questions. What did you say this week? Right? H how can we make the message of the gospel practical. I was at Panera. I love Panera bread. And I was at Panera and I was, I had just ordered and I was exchanging my card with the cashier. And I noticed when she stretched her hand out, there were cuts all up, all up her arm. She obviously was in, into self-abuse. And as I looked at that, I, said, I simply said as she cashed me out, I simply said, God, what would you want me to say? I didn't say, God, do you want me to say something? Because he's already done that. Right? I, I knew he wanted me to say something. And I want you to learn from this lesson. So I simply breathed the prayer, God, what do you want me to say? And she handed my card back. And as I took it, I said, so, you used to cut. And she kind of looked around. And she looked at me. She goes, oh, yes, sir. She said, I used to, but I found God. And I was like, dude, it shouldn't be that easy. You know what I'm saying? I'm just like, well, let's have a conversation then, right? And it turned from my almond chicken salad into this. And she starts telling me this, and I'm like, oh, baby, this is so cool. I travel all over the, I'm all over our country. As a matter of fact, I'm just coming back from a camp. I'm going to another one. And I talk to young people like you all the time. And she was like, oh, no. And the, as we were talking, the manager starts walking up. Dude, she didn't miss a beat. She was like, is there anything else I can help you with, sir? I was like, oh, no, man, this is great. But then the Lord moved on me again, and I couldn't help it. And I simply said, uh-oh, <laughs> and I simply said, sir, and I stopped the manager, and, you know, he came up next to her, and he said, is there anything I can help you with? I said, dude, Alexa was her name. Alexa is your best employee, man. She rocks, and he put his arm around her. Oh, we love her here, and she's beaming, and she's like, <laughs> right? 
Listen, it's not about whether I should say something. Simply give the Holy Spirit a chance to work. Because we're playing, we're playing checkers all the time. And God wants to play chess. God wants to be out in front, moving in the lives of people. But we just have to give him a chance. Hans Teifel, who is one of the great theologians in America, was speaking at the baccalaureate for Women Mary College. And he said these words. He was addressing how our culture has squeezed the church into selfishness rather than the supernatural life. William and Mary College, right? He's at one one of the prestigious universities. And this theologian simply says, our culture has squeezed the church into selfishness and out of our supernatural life. It sweeps us, culture, sweeps us along in its current. And as social beings, we are all in the mainstream of culture that carries us wherever it wants to go, rather than the church carrying culture where we want it to go. Think about that, right? We have, we have people who are so mesmerized by culture, but we're not memorizing scripture. Right? Now, okay, now, um, young people know how I do this here. So, if you want to clap, clap, right? You know what I'm saying? If, if you, don't be worried about what others are thinking. If you want to say amen, you can do that too. You won't scare me. Right? It just, it's just better for you if you talk and get along. See, I was raised in a black church. Mm-hmm. Enough. You know what I'm saying? My, my father is American Indian and Native, uh, Native American, and my grandmother is African American. So you, uh, you're not going to scare me. Okay, I've been in it. So, yeah. So if you want to stand and just be like, just do that. You want to snap. In my church, we snapped when it got good, you know. So it won't get longer, trust me, you know, it won't. But, Yeah. Listen today, if we could change our thinking and our mesmer and, and, and this mes- how mesmerized we are in culture, if we could change it and unlearn some of that and begin to memorize scripture and live through scripture, we would see a movement in West Lafayette like you have never seen. But we're not listening enough because we've become so busy. We've hear me. There's a difference between busyness and business. There's a big difference between busyness and business. Many of us have this Martha syndrome and we're busy, right? And we've forgotten about Mary and the business. And I think this abiding is where it comes from. What God was saying to, what Jesus was saying to them is, wait, slow down. Don't just run out of here. Slow down. Wait. And never have we seen the power of waiting. Never have we seen the power of waiting more so than in the person of Peter. Right? You know Peter. Open mouth, insert foot, Peter, right? Oh, I'll never.
never, right? I, I will never leave you, you know. And you can put the kingdom on my, here we, I will never, right? And then little girl scout over at the fire says, I saw you with him. And he's like, no, man, I don't need your cookies or, you know, I wasn't with him. I don't even know who that is. Who? Right? But then the Holy Spirit comes upon him in our text in Acts chapter 1 and 2. And Peter is transformed because of two simple things this morning. I want to leave you with two thoughts. The first one is wait. How much are you waiting? How much are you waiting? How much are you abiding? Because out of your abiding comes your authority. Out of your abiding, out of that presence, as we said in Psalm 91, comes your power your influence, right? Look at, look at Acts 2. And when the day had come, had fully come, they were, all, they were all there with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the house where they were seated. Then there appeared to them tongues as of fire that sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterance. And there, were, and there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven who witnessed this, right, as, as it came. Go to verse 14. While others are mocking what's going on, right, and observing what's going on, Peter stands with the 11, raised his voice and said, and you have this, this sermon where Peter goes back through the ages, as I just did a few minutes ago. Peter walks back through the ages, through creation, through the prophets, okay, uh, through the commandments of Moses, through the prophets, through Christ, witnessing of Christ, and this incredible transformation takes place in Peter's life, all because of this waiting Amazing things happen when you slow down and you simplify. But Americans don't like to simplify. Everything is so busy for us. Everything is so difficult for us. And yet Peter found something in the midst of that busyness, in the midst of that, right, if you could see the 12 thoughts in my mind right now and which one wants to come out, if that, that kind of Peter, he, he, as this ADHD uh, was kicking in, all of a sudden something changes. And the simplification of the gospel comes, and the business of the gospel comes after Peter waited. The intervention into our lives of the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit will come when we are willing to be intimate. Let me say it again. The intervention and the life and the flow and the power of the Holy Spirit will come into our lives when we are willing to be intimate. But the intervention doesn't come if we're not intimate. The interruption doesn't come if we're not willing to slow down and simply ask, what do you want me to say? What do you want me to say? So nobody knows, nobody knows better how to build the church 
than the power of the Holy Spirit. He's been doing it. He has been doing this for centuries, trying to get our attention and labor, co-labor with us to build the church. But we must learn to abide. We must learn to be intimate with the presence of the Spirit. Listen, we're trying everything to build the church today. In America, we, we have tried everything to build the church. Dude, we put the pastor in jeans. Took him out of a tie, right? Took the pastor out of a suit, and we're like, dude, that'll do it. I'm telling watch the church grow now. How's that working for us? You know what I'm saying? I mean, we've tried slick websites. We tried every, we, we tried collaborative meetings with other people in the area, and we, you know, and we try to, we, we try, we have tried so many, listen, there are people that try new songs, new, uh, new instruments, we've tried so many, we've tried door knockers, we've tried everything in America to get the church to grow, self-help series. But the one thing we're not trying is what nobody else is doing. Think it through. We're trying what everybody else is trying, and we're toiling and trying to, to find that simple little thing that will change everything. And I'm telling you, it's, it's simpler than we think. How about trying the thing that nobody else is doing? Prayer. And I don't mean necessarily prayer here at the church, but in our own lives. Can you imagine what comes out of abiding and what comes out of intimacy with God? Listen, I know it's intimidating. Sir, it's intimidating to lead your family in family devotions. I get that. It's intimidating at the meal table to stop and say, now, while we eat, we're going to talk about what happened today. And here's a text I would just want to read to you. And I want to play this video. And you pop the... the, the the iPad up on the table or the computer on the table and watch this while we eat, right? Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, we don't eat today together. That's true. That's why we don't have family devotions, right? Because we're so busy. Can you imagine what would happen if in our daily intercession, in our daily abiding, the Spirit was allowed to move through us to build the church he knows exactly what your neighbors need. He knows exactly what your coworkers need. He knows exactly what the students need and your teachers need. And that person across the counter at Panera in that moment. I'll never forget I was speaking to a young man. He was 16 years old. He was about six foot six both ways. Huge. He was going, he was on his way to the Notre Dame big man camp. Just a, a massive 16-year-old. And I was speaking to him about the gospel. And he said, listen, it's not going to matter because I've been raised an atheist. My parents raised me an atheist. I, I understand everything about geography and history and canonicity and all of that stuff. He knew it all and he was 16 years old. He said, they raised me. They raised me to have arguments against everything you're saying. But something changed in that setting. I began to pray for him. And in, into a... Uh, camp setting, we walked into this camp setting and the music began and, and the presence of God filled that place with hundreds and hundreds of teenagers. And his name was Mike. They called him Big Mike. He was over on the left-hand side. 
He wasn't taking him, he was not involved in what was going on. But hear me, about halfway through that worship set, this huge dude began to, tears were streaming down his face. You've, you've heard that statement before. But I'm telling you, here's a 16-year-old teenager who was raised an atheist who becomes broken in the presence of God. And his youth group, some of them were up front, some of them were, they, they gather around him and they lead him to Christ during the worship time. And they pray with him and it's just this an, an amazing move. I go on, I preach, I move, and the youth pastor brings him up afterwards and, and told me that story. And I looked at him and I said, Mike, what, what was it? I mean, just a few minutes ago you told me you had an argument for, right? And he looked at me and he said, he put his hands in his pocket and he put his head down, and his hair was just, you know, stringing down there, and there was st- he was still broken. And he thought for a minute, and he looked back up, and he said these words to me. He said, I had an argument, sir, for everything that you said, but I didn't have an argument for his presence. I mean, I was stunned. I mean, at first I was ticked. Because I'm like, I thought I preached a pretty good message right there. You know what I'm saying? I mean, did I have a little to do with it, right? You know what I'm saying? And he's like, I had an, I had an argument for everything you said, but there was no argument for his presence. And I'm telling you, your neighbors and your coworkers and, 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 and students that you go to school with and the person across the counter is waiting for his presence. But we're not going to be able to bring it if we're not abiding and if we're not waiting. You know the stories as you read through this. Look at chapter 3, right? In Acts chapter 3, they walk, they're just walking. They're walking to the temple. And a man looks at them and says simply, would you give me something? Out of the, out of the relationship that they have, they didn't even think about the silver or gold. That wasn't even what they were about to give. And this man was begging. This cripple was begging. And he had, his, he had his mind on natural things, right? And Peter simply says, listen, I don't have that. I, I don't have what's in there, but listen, this is what you need. And he simply stretches, right? And he stands and he begins to de- and run through town because the presence from the waiting and the abiding brought the healing. Everything that that man needed. You go into Acts chapter 4. What a, what a powerful story. Peter and John are arrested, right? And what happens? They go from this waiting in one, this outpouring in two, chapter 2, the ministry of the miracle in chapter 3. The city arrests them. They put them in prison. And then what happens? <laughs> the same thing. I mean, it's an incredible story. As they spoke to the people, the priests, the captain of the temple, the Sadducees came upon them because they were disturbed at what was going on, right? So they put them in prison, right? They laid hands on them, okay? They put them there. And and, however, many of those who heard the word believed and the number of of them came to be about 5,000. There were 3,000 in chapter 2 that were born again from Peter's message. Now 5,000 here. And it came to pass on the next day that the rulers and leaders and elders and the scribes as well as Annas the high priest and Caiaphas and John and Alexander, a lot of people, 
And as many were of the family of the high priest, they were gathered together and they were saying, by what power is this? We don't even understand. We've never seen this. Listen to me. Our world has seen all kinds of power. They've seen power. The millennials love a cause. Go build a well. Feed the poor. In some people's circles, the millennials have found this power. But I'm telling you, it is not in the hands of a cause where you find power. It is not in the hands of government where you find power. And I think we've, we're seeing that today during this election. It is not in the hands of education or a university two miles away. Our power is not found in natural things. Our power is found in abiding. Our power is found in intimacy. Our power is found in the presence of the Spirit upon our daily lives. We need to stop trying all kinds of things to build the church and start trying the thing that nobody is doing. A life of intimacy and prayer. Moses, Joshua, David, Esther, Samson, Daniel, all Old Testament people, and I don't have the time, but every one of them, Moses, Joshua, David, Esther, Samson, and Daniel, every one of those Old Testament figures who impacted Christian history, there is a text that says, and the Spirit came upon them. Every single one of them. And the Spirit came upon, or there was a different Spirit on them. With, for Daniel, the last one, for Daniel, it literally said this, and this Daniel had a different Spirit. Listen, you can be a this, or you can be a that. It depends on what you want, right? But when, you, when the Spirit comes upon you, you become this this kind comes out only by prayer and fasting. So you can live a that life or you can live a this life. And when the Spirit comes upon you, he stands you up. And something happens across the counter to Alexa. Hear me. In the New Testament, the same thing happened. Elizabeth, Mary, Joseph, John the Baptist, Paul, Peter, and even Jesus. Have you ever thought about this? Even Jesus needed to be baptized in the power of the Spirit, right? He came to be baptized in water. He comes up to John the Baptist, in the, right? He's right there, and he says, hey, I need to be, and John's like, uh, oh, no, 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 no. I'm not high enough to do that. No, no, you should be baptized. And Jesus says, no, no, this is important. And he baptizes him, and the power of the Holy Spirit comes upon him through that physical sign of the dove, and his ministry begins. Have you ever thought about that? If Christ needed to be baptized in the power of the Spirit, what makes us think we don't need it? What makes us think that we don't need a powerful relationship with him? God we know, right? God the Father we know. Jesus we know. But do you know the Holy Spirit? Each one of these people, Mary Magdalene, wow, what a story. What a story. Demonized. Demonized prostitute and the power of the Holy Spirit comes upon her and her life is transformed and those old things went away right and new things came into her life and now she is a central figure of Christianity let me go on to the second thing that was waiting waiting in the power in the presence of the Spirit the last thing before we close you find this all the way throughout the book of Acts but I want to focus on Acts chapter 5 
In Acts chapter 5, there's this incredible story of the witnessing that went on through the book of Acts, and it begins there. Peter waited, and Peter witnessed. Two simple points. If you will wait, you will witness. When you get squeezed, what comes out? Right? When you get squeezed, what comes out? When you get placed in a crisis or in a setting, what, what's there? In Acts chapter 5, there's this incredible story. At the beginning of the chapter, two, two people lied to God and to the apostles. And what happened there is, uh, I'm so glad it doesn't happen today by grace. They lied to the Holy Spirit. They lied to God, right? They, they lied to the apostles of what's going on, and they dropped dead. <laughs> right? Kids, are you listening? This would be a great place to listen right now. Right? Did you take that cookie? No! Yeah, 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 yeah. I took them all. I took the keys. I stole $5 off the... I... Right? That would, change every... that would change everything. That would change the way you came into church this morning. If God still operated that. Aren't you, aren't you glad for grace? I mean, you'd get out of your car. You'd start walking. The closer you get to the door, you'd be like, oh, crap. Uh, oh, Holy Father, Holy Father, Jesus. Father God, she, mercy, right? Grab the door. It's like, could you get that door for me, please? <laughs> Thank you. You walk in, you're like, made it in the first door. <laughs> you hear what I'm saying? I mean, we'd, we would need a whole different kind of ministry of people waiting out there to carry them away if God still worked that way. But it's an amazing story, but that's off the, that's the ADHD kicking in. I do not take my medication when I preach. That's good for you. Seriously, because it slows me down. When I take my focus factor, it slows me down. Some speakers say, you know, oh, that's my ADD. I have ADHD. There's seven tests. I failed four. You sit in front of a computer, you hit it. Every time you see red, hit it. And I'm like, eh, okay, green, blue. Oh, oh, missed it. You know, right? You see a square, hit, hit enter. You see a square. I'm like, okay, you know, rectangle, circle, circle. <laughs> Oh, sweet light. Oh, sorry, missed it, you know. So anyway, this is parenthetically speaking. So you have this story in Acts chapter 5, verse 12. Look at verse 12. And through the hands of the apostles, the apostolic age, right? Remember that, that human history? I'm almost done. Some of you are like, dude, this guy is, I'm almost done. Are you, are you with me still? Okay, almost done. Wake the guy up next to you, tell him, hey, whoosh, almost done. And through the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were done among the people. And they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. They were, right, here's all these people. They're waiting for another outbreak. <laughs> Yet none of the rest dared join them, but the people esteemed them highly. Isn't it interesting that sometimes as God is moving, there are some who are reticent. There's some who are on the outside and they're like, mm, I'm starting to see some crazy things here, right? Like, Peter, first of all, this dude is transformed. I don't know what happened. He, I mean, some people said he was drinking too much. That's what Acts 2 said, right? So either he's been dipping here or, and then he's, 
right? Now he walks into the temple and he's like, instead of giving this guy, you know, coins, he's like, just stand up. And the guy goes running through town. He's healed. And we're all like, uh, uh, magician, right? In four, he's preaching through, they put him in jail. And now the jail comes to salvation. So you convert a jail, dude. That's really, we don't know, did he pay him off? What happened? And then in five, people are dying because they lied. I lie all the time. And, you know, and so they're all like, what is going on here? We're not with, we're not with them. Right, and you see the beginnings of the church and how often, hear me, especially as Western Americans, when we see the supernatural, we're not totally in on that because we're freaked out by it. And yet, hear me, our world is loving it. Some of the hottest shows, you, you watch coming out around August and September, again, as we come into the fall, will come some of the, some of the worst kind of demonic films that come out. The Walking Dead, we are mesmerized by the supernatural in our culture. Video games, right? Do I have to go any further? And so you have in Acts chapter 5, they're gathered together waiting for the next movement, right? It's almost like there's this time, pause, time out here. Let's just all get together and see what happens, right? And so they all get together. And believers were increasingly added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women, so that they brought the sick out into the streets and laid them on beds and couches, that at least the shadow of Peter passing by might fall on some of them. Also a multitude gathered from the surrounding cities to Jerusalem, bringing sick people and those who were tormented by unclean spirits, and they were all healed. Emphasis on verse 15, they were bringing them out that at least, did you hear that word? That at least the shadow of Peter would heal them. How can we cast a shadow on our culture if we've not been in his presence? Because hear me, the only way you cast a shadow on people is when the sun is shining on you. You don't create your own shadow. Your shadow, your impact your influence on our culture is determined by how much light is shining on you. I know it's, a, it's an easy thing to say from here and on Sunday, but then what happens Sunday night and Monday and Wednesday and Friday night? What happens with it? I'm telling you, if the, if the church would just simply slow down and wait and breathe, a simple prayer. Holy Spirit, what do you want me to say? God will give you everything you need in that moment to build the kingdom. Everything you need. You're at the locker, right? You go to the locker and, and another student walks up and they're like, dude, do I have a headache from the weekend? Or what a great, and you're like, dude, I do too. <laughs> dude, what a week at camp, right? You know, you know. I mean, I have a headache too, man. That blob running together and, you know, and crash. Tree, boom, limb, you know, whatever. Uh, not, no sleep, you know, too, dude. You should have seen the party we were at. And they're like, whoa, really? You went to a, you went to a party? Oh, yeah, dude. We were up all night. <laughs> oh, yeah, we were. Do you hear what I'm saying? Just, Holy Spirit, what do you want me to say? You're at work, and the coworker, right, just says, wow, what a game, you know? Something that simple. Or, hey, what would you do this weekend? And you're like, you know, I'm glad you asked. I just got back from the greatest party I've been to in a long time. Dude, right, it's Tuesday, and we had a bunch of people over from our church. Did I say church? Church. 
church. We had a bunch of people over from our church, and we just we had a blast. And they're like, hold it, church, blast? That doesn't go together, right? <laughs> Holy Spirit, what do you want me to say? That's how we build the church. Listen, in, we got something wrong in America. In America, we feel like we pay the pastor to do the work of the ministry. But in the East, okay, in Europe, in Africa, in the East, we pay the pastor to get the people to do the work of the ministry. But here we're like, no, 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 pastor, you do the visitation. Pastor, you lead them to God, and we'll come and celebrate with you on Sunday, and we'll be like, yeah, that was good. Yeah, that was good. Pastor brought his neighbor, you know, and pa pastor prayed at the hospital, and we have a great pastor. No, 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 unlearn that. Board, on down. You hired this guy to get you to do the work of the ministry. And only when that happens will the church grow. You can't put the growth on this staff. That's not why, that's not why you hired them. Yep. I know that was a tough place to clap. I get that. I know that was really difficult, right? <laughs> we, gotta, we have to unlearn some things. That witness, that word comes out. Hear me. Let me close with this. Jerusalem was turned upside down by Peter's first sermon shortly after he waited. He and John went to the temple and miracles began. As they came to the temple, that man was healed, right? Then he began to preach in four and they put him in jail, right? And now here, they're just saying, just let your, we don't even, you don't even have to pray for them. We just want your presence. We want what you have. We want that, that brought to us. And just days after Peter's denial, he is declaring, why? It is the presence. It is simply the Holy Spirit building the church. I want you to stand all across this place, please. Something happens in our waiting When you look at Old Testament history and you look at New Testament history and you see the people that were impacted by his presence, you cannot deny the before and after, right? You can't deny the, the before and after. I was speaking in a church outside of Detroit just uh, in the second week of this year in January. It was a mega church with multiple services in the morning. And the Holy Spirit placed on my heart back in the fall that everywhere that I go in 2016, I am to get congregations praying at the end of the service to model a prayer meeting. And so we're going to do that. I know in your minds right now, listen, I was raised in this. When I have you stand, you're, you grab the purse, right? You put the coat on. You know, if it's the right time, you kind of gather your things and you're like, okay, we're done. We're not done. I just wanted you to stretch a little. Before we leave, before we leave, we're going to take the next 10 minutes and then pastor's going to close. We're going to turn this place into a prayer meeting. Front to back, side to side. I'm not asking you necessarily to come to the front. Many of you might feel led to come to the front and 
put your knee down at these altars. Some of you are going to walk and pray. Some will turn it. Here's the only rule. you got to move. Even if it's a chair, you got to move. Okay? You, you might lay down in the aisle. You might walk up and down. You might move over one chair and get onto your knees. You, here, the only rule is you got to move, and you can't sit on your bum. Okay? You'll see why. Now, maybe some of you have to. I, I, mean, I, I mean, you have been for a while, but please, we should find a posture of prayer in just a moment. I'm going to lead you through just a quick 10-minute prayer meeting where this team leads us. Because I know what happens in this, in this place right here. I know what happens. I was in Detroit, and we were prepping for, we were finishing one service, and I did this for the first time. And hundreds and hundreds of people in that first service would not leave the building. A few did. But I'm telling you, there were hundreds of people who did not leave the building. And the pastor was in the front row, and he's like, you know, I just went down and said, what do you want me to do? You know, I know we got parking problems and all that, right? He's like, don't worry about it. And one of his associates next to him, and they, you know, he's talking to the others, and he goes out and takes care of the nursery, and they send uh, deacons out into the parking lot, and they're helping park people, and people are double parked, you know, and all this. And that service rolled into the next service, and that second service rolled into the third service. And it was like one service that morning. It was an incredible sight to see. And the pastor said to me, I've, I don't even know how we pulled this off with over 3,500 people. I don't know how we pulled this off, but I've never seen this happen in our church before. I was in Phoenix in February. Another one of our great churches in our movement. Same thing, a 9 o'clock and 11 o'clock service. I left, I left at 12.30. I had to because my flight was at 1.30. I left at 12.30. And the pastor told me when I got, I flew, I flew home. I landed in Minneapolis. And the pastor had a message on my phone. He said, it's 2.30 in the afternoon here in Phoenix. And there are still people praying in the church. It was an insane move in February. I was just in a church in April. The same thing happened. I know it doesn't happen everywhere, and that's not the model I'm asking for here. I just want you to know that God is moving on congregations to bring themselves to an awakening through abiding and intimacy and presence. I don't know how you're going to respond. I don't. I, I, don't, I don't know how you're going to respond. Maybe it's easier to a pastoral figure, you know, and maybe it's easier for some of you in this setting. But I'm going to ask you right now for the next 10 minutes as this team leads us, if you need to get children, bring them back in here. You know, alleviate the, uh, the nursery if we need to do that, if we're running over time, that kind of thing. If you need to do that, no worries. But I want you to begin to move right now as this team leads us. Move to a position of prayer, and I'm going to lead you for a few minutes. Will you do that? Come on, step out now. You might want to begin to pray through the book of Acts there and some of those things we saw. Come up here to the front of this auditorium. Go off to the side, right? Turn in, in the place where you're at right there. Move a chair and get on your knees and begin to seek the face of God. Ask the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, fill me. Just say that first. Come on. Holy Spirit, fill me.
find it interesting in the text, in the scriptures, that the disciples never asked Jesus to teach them how to worship. And yet we know he was a powerful worshiper. In Luke chapter 10, he spun in their midst one time and began to thank the Father right in front of them. But they never asked him, teach us how to worship. Interesting, we never see in scripture, Lord Jesus, teach us how to do miracles. They never asked that either. And yet, right? He did some of the greatest works in, the, in front of their eyes, raising people from the dead, delivering people from demonic spirits, feeding thousands of people out of a lunch. But they never asked him, show us how to do those miracles. No, they never asked him how to do those things. The only thing the disciples ever asked Jesus to teach them was prayer. Could it be that the reason why is because the one thing that he did that impacted them the most was not his worship and not his miracles. The thing that impacted them the most was the way he prayed. At the, at the beach, in the mountains, on the boat, in the garden, in the temple, at home. They watched him as he prayed. And it was the one thing they came to him and said, you got to show us how to do that. We, we don't know how to do that. We've done the miracles. We've been used in the miracles, right? We've worshiped with you, but you've got to show us. you got to show us how to pray. And they simply said to him, teach us how to do that. I think the American church needs to make that our prayer today. Lord, teach us. Teach us how to pray. I didn't, I didn't give anything to Jeff as far as Jeff, come and share this or speak on this. I just said, Jeff, come and share. We've talked about abiding. We've said the fruit of abiding is the harvest of people. Will you abide? Will you wait for a purpose so you can witness? So I encourage you as, as we're going to dismiss here and you leave from this place, shared it last week, where's the church on Monday? It's not here in this building. It's out where you're at. So I pray that as you leave, you're taking connection point with you and know that you're taking it with you everywhere that you go. So may you abide so that you might be able to witness. May you wait so that you might witness. Thanks, Jeff, for sharing. We just thank him for coming and sharing today. I love how the Spirit speaks to his church. And the question is, we hear what the Spirit is saying to Connection Point. The question is, do you have those ear to hear what the Spirit is saying? Not just to hear, but to be able to take and apply. Um, so may you take that from this place. Before we go, if you're here and maybe you have visited, maybe uh, church is new to you, maybe you haven't made a decision to follow Jesus, but you know by his presence here today that you need to make that decision to follow him to be reconnected to your creator. If that's you today, I just encourage you, raise your hand. We want to pray with you before you go. We want to get you a Bible. We don't want you to leave from this place without opportunity to devote your life to the King of Kings, to the one who truly sets you free. If you're here today and would like to make a decision to follow Jesus, just raise your hand and we'll pray with you before you go. Anybody here today that wants to make a decision to follow Christ? 
simply raise your hand and we'll pray with you before you go today. If you're here, sometimes I miss a hand. I encourage you, before you leave from this place, simply come to the front. Come find me. Come find Shelly. Come find Jeff. Anybody that you've seen up here this morning will get you a Bible and information on what it means to follow Jesus. It's more than a singular decision. It's a lifetime of walking with him. And we want to equip you to do that well. Lord, we just thank you for what you're doing at Connection Point, for what you want to do in West Lafayette, not just for the people here, but for your kingdom around the world. And God, we just pray that you would empower your people, that we would seek your empowerment, not for our purposes, but for yours. God, I just pray that you would empower us as we leave from this place to boldly declare your word. Lord, that we would be your hands and feet to the world around us. Help us to love this world well, because you love it. God, I just pray that as we leave, Lord, that your, your name would be glorified in us. We thank you for what you've spoken here today. May it not be a moment, but may it be a movement, Lord Jesus. We just pray this in Jesus' name. In his authority, we ask it. And amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he cause his face to shine upon you. May he fill you with his mercy and fill you with his peace. Go with God. Feel free to linger and pray if that's what's on your heart to do now.